0: So, uh, just a reminder, as we're in our time of um, small group, all the Sunday sermons are lined up with one another of the chapters that you have or will be studying in small group. So, they're not sequential because you're doing two chapters a week, and we can only preach one topic a week, okay, otherwise you'd be here for the day, so... Uh, This week's topic is angels and demons, and um, I wanted to, I added on to the title of that in my own notes, angels and demons in our day, because you can really go back into time immemorial and deal with the issues of angels and demons, dealing with the issues of humankind, from the garden right up to anytime in the last few seconds something could be whispering in your mind and influencing your life. So it's an ongoing activity. I want to focus on some of the dynamics of understanding angels and demons uh, in our day. And uh, today's sermon and the corresponding study really uh, in the small group only scratched the surface of what is a fascinating topic. Um, you know, do a Google search, but don't do Google Angel and Demons, because you'll only get that movie. And, uh, but if you, you, know, Google Angels, I mean, page after page after page of information, some of it's as weird as you can get, and some of it's, uh, pretty interesting stuff. You've got to be careful with what you believe is the truth, okay? But one thing that becomes uh, very evident, or at least should become very evident as you begin to read and study the Bible, is that there is another realm of existence just beyond the veil of our ability to see with the human eye. Some call it the spirit realm. Um, Some call it the heavenlies or the other side, I think Barney called it a wormhole Friday night. She was trying to express something she was experiencing, and she said it was like a wormhole opened up over her head, but I think she's been watching (laughs) sci-fi. But, you know, people use all kinds of terminologies because we're aware that there is a separation. It is a distinct place other than where we, we reside on a regular basis. Uh, A place normally invisible to our senses, but not always. That's what you got to understand. It's not always. There are intrusions in both directions. Mm -hmm. Within this realm are beings whose descriptions challenge even our imaginations. Take, for instance, this biblical account in Ezekiel chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chabah Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. Now, if you watch the History Channel, uh, and you ever watch ancient UFOs, you ever see that on the History Channel? That's what they're going to tell you is going on. It was a UFO, and in a sense it really is, because uh, certainly Ezekiel couldn't identify it, right? It was flying. It was an object, so... But uh, anyways. And in the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. Now listen to this. They had a human likeness. I now I think about the human next to you, all right? Just look around at all the humans in this room, okay? They had a human likeness, but each had four faces. What the heck is that? You <laughs> know? I mean, I mean, some of us are two faced, but you know, I don't see where <laughs> where four faces is a human likeness, you know? They had a human like, but they had four faces. Yeah, you know? and these are really strange creatures, right? And each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them was straightforward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face, The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Now, how wild is that? Hmm? Now, fortunately, the majority of these beings are either benign or actively involved in serving the redemptive purposes of God toward mankind and the well-being of humanity but not all of them. And this is what makes the topic of angels and demons such a risky area to try and address, and probably more so in our times because of the New Age movement. The New Age believes that have, beliefs have taken away any sense of caution or discernment when approaching the spiritual realm but rather have fostered the idea that any spirit can qualify as a guide to lead us into hidden truths, a deeper life, or happiness. But as the saying goes, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And the Bible is, the very word of God it also cautions us in this area. In First Timothy one, it says... Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. And then again, in 1 John 4 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, spirits speak into your lives, and they're not always in ethereal form. It's not always just something that uh, shoots into your mind. Sometimes they speak through other people. Sometimes someone you trust, you might go to them and ask them for advice or, or a particular topic, and they start to speak things that doesn't line up with the word of God. Use wisdom. Use discernment. There's a lot of really weird stuff. I mean, who's this guy? Uh, camp, camping? Uh, he's predicted the end of the world. Not too long. Harold Camping, right? I don't know if you caught it on, on the Internet last night. He had moved it up again to yesterday. We're, we're not here today. The world ended yesterday. Uh, you know... And, I mean, he blew it big time a year ago. I mean, people were selling their homes and their goods and abandoning their lives and, you know, like, oh, well, I was off on my calculations. Well, duh, you know. It's going to happen October 21st, and people still followed him. Where do you think he's getting these ideas? You know, people are being deceived by a lying spirit Speaking to this man who, at a point in time, was a godly teacher, something happened. He didn't use discernment. He believed he had special knowledge outside the word of God. Careful, careful. There's a lot of stuff floating around and active from the other side these days. And as the conditions of the world and society around us deteriorate, the possibilities for deception increases. I, I wrote myself a little note this morning. In bad economic times, people can justify actions that they would not normally justify in normal times. See? When things get hard, the spirit of deceit is hard at work. We allow ourselves the liberty to do things that in normal times we say, Oh no, I'd never do that. Sometimes desperation cancels out reason. In light of this, it's important to keep in mind these two scriptural cautions. First Peter five eight says this be sober minded. Be sober-minded. Don't get all caught up in ethereal things. Listen, it's interesting stuff. But you don't want to live there. You don't want to get so heavenly-minded that you're not any earthly good. We have a work to do here on earth. Okay? Our work is not done in heaven. Our work is done here. Instructions come from there, but the work is here. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Anyone ever heard a lion roar? Did you ever hear one in the wild? We went to Kruger National Park, and they told us, you know, if you see a group of lions hanging out, don't get out of your car. Now, you you think, both, well, of course not. And he said, this is why. He said, we had, and it, it had just happened that year, a Korean family had come, and the dad had gotten a new video camera for the trip, and they found a pride of lions, and he got out of the car and started videotaping the lions, And and they've got the whole video because he recorded that. He's walking towards them, and... A couple of females casually get up and start strolling around and saying, Oh, and look at them moving over here and that. <laughs> they just took them out. Yeah, he didn't use any wisdom, he didn't use any discernment, you see. Your enemy, the enemy of your soul, is like that. But you know, sometimes when you hear the sound of power, And if you've ever heard a lion in the wild roar, it's all about power. It's all about strength and majesty and authority. And you recognize it in the sound. And that can be enticing to the soul of a man. But be careful, because if you're not paying attention, he'll devour you. It would be easy enough to recognize and hopefully hopefully avoid, but it's not always that simple. You see, things, people, situations are not always what they first appear to be. The pedophile does not entice a child with promises of molestation and a life of emotional suffering and shame. They don't play that card, do they? The enemy never tries to entice us with darkness, shame, or the reality of the consequences of our sinful behavior. He doesn't roar that way. Come follow me, I'll make your life a mess. Oh, come right along. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. You see, 2 Corinthians 11:14 says this, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Remember in the garden, the Garden of Eden? Satan comes along in the form of a serpent, and he says, listen, you can be like God. Wouldn't it be awesome to be like God? But God said we shouldn't, oh, never mind what he said. He just doesn't want you to be like him. You can be like God. Come on. It'll be good. It'll be nice. I mean, you don't need him. It was all enticing. What a mess. He hasn't changed his tactics at all, you know. We get all caught away. He taps into our own lust and desires. Mm -hmm. So we need discernment. We need godly counsel based on the word of God. And guess what? We need each other. I need you to watch my back. Do you know that the day that you said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, I surrender. I am now yours. One of these little angels came down with a paintbrush and a bucket of red and white paint and painted a target on your back. All of you are marked. And I can't see my own back but you can. I need you to watch my back. You need me to watch your back. I need you to pray for me. You need me to pray for you. We need each other because we have an enemy and our enemy does not play fair. We need each other to encourage one another. But here's some really good news, okay? The scales of good and evil are not balanced. In other words, Satan and his demons are not the evil counterpart of God and his heavenly host. Some people got this idea that it's a yin-yang thing. You know, that Satan and his group are on this side and God and his group are on this side. And, you know, there's, there's good and there's evil. Well, you know, God and his side... He's got a lot more weight behind him. You know, only a third of the angels followed Satan. That means two-thirds of them continue to hang out in heaven. So it's not a balanced scale. The scales tilt for our benefit, okay? Only God, only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-knowing. Only God Knows the secret thoughts of your heart. The enemy, Satan, cannot listen to your private thought life. He cannot listen to the intents of your heart. He can infuse thoughts into your life and cause you to think along a certain line. But he can, oh, I know what you're thinking. No, he doesn't. Only God knows the secret things of the heart. The God we serve. The God who loves you. It's not a balanced act at all. And only God is ever present and able to do abundantly above all that we could ever hope. Listen to this description in Revelation 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon the ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So here's the scene. Dad's sitting up in heaven on his throne, and he looks at his watch, and he said, oh, time to do that. You little cherub on that cloud with the harp, would you put that down and take this key and this chain and go bind up Satan? See, that's how the balances are. Because angels move on the word of the Father. Satan moves compelled by evil. They don't, they don't balance each other out at all. So what are the functions of angels? In Hebrews 1.14 it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The purpose of angels is to minister to our ongoing needs within the realm of the purposes of God in the kingdom on the earth. They're there to help us. So not only are angels strong, they are also submitted to God's will and the advancement of his kingdom on earth. So I want to close with a couple of angel stories. The first couple are out of the scriptures. And then there'll be a personal story and then a, a story out of the news. Okay? Uh, Luke twenty-two forty-one. 41. Uh, this scene is Jesus has just had the, the Last Supper with his disciples. Uh, he's heading for the cross. He knows that his time is up. He's going to pay the price. Uh, he's presented that model through uh, the Lord's Supper. And he goes off to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Now, my understanding of the scriptures is for all intent and purposes, Jesus gave up his life in the garden, not on Golgotha. When he said, not my will, but yours be done, it was a sealed deal. So we're in that garden scene in Luke 22, 41, and it says, and he withdrew from them, his disciples, about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father... If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now watch what happens. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. In times of stress, in times of great duress, the Father will send angelic beings to strengthen you, to meet your needs, to rescue to rescue, I've heard a lot of angel rescue stories. Yep. Hmm? Acts 12.1, this is an awesome rescue story. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he, was, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison. Okay, now watch, watch how he locks this guy up. Put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Now, I don't know how many that is, but I think this, a squad is more than two, right? Wouldn't it be, your military? All right, so he's got 40, 40 guards around him. All right. <laughs> Gee whiz intending after Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison with 40 guards, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. He needed them, didn't he? Now watch what happens. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door regarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Okay? Nothing about a key. Okay? The angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. He said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He didn't know if he was dreaming or having a vision, right? When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. (laughs) And they went out and went along a street, and immediately the angel left him. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty darn cool. Not only did he take him right out from between two soldiers. The chains fall off. He makes him invisible. He made him invisible to the guards at the door. And then the prison door opens of its own volition. That's the power of the angelic. The supernatural has authority over the natural. In... uh, 1995, 96 we started going into uh, Liberia, West Africa. They were in the throes of a horrendous civil war there. And um, after my first trip in, the airport out of the Ivory Coast shut down for a period of time, and we had already started plans to go back, myself and uh, four other guys. So we decided to go in through Conakry, Guinea, which is above Liberia, and to fly in from there. And it was really kind of a convenient um, agenda because the Ivory Coast, you have to spend 12 hours in the airport waiting for a connecting flight. In Conakry, you arrive at midnight and you fly out at 6 a.m. So we thought, this is cool, you know, we'll take our luggage, make it a bed and camp out at the airport and wait for the early morning flight. So we, we land at Conakry, it's the middle of the night, and... You know, in, in Africa, they don't wheel out a, a tube and attach it to the plane and you walk up a ramp. You're out in the airport and you walk across the tarmac to to wherever the processing center is. So, as we're going across the tarmac, I'm taking in information. I'm looking around and evaluating uh, what we're going to approach, who's going to handle us, how are they handling people, who's really in charge here, and. Uh, I discerned there were three groups of men in the airport. The first one were were men in blue uniforms. They looked like regular police. They had a a small sidearm and, you know, a, a badge and maybe some rank on their shoulders. And they were coming out. They were meeting people and taking passports. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. You know, you never give up your passport unless you're at a window. You know, you don't, once they got your passport, they got you. And so I'm kind of steering my little group around these guys, trying to avoid them, and I see the next group of men. Uh, they're in khaki uniforms. They're definitely soldiers. They have military caps, and they're carrying a sidearm and an AK-47. And they're not bothering anybody. They're not talking to everybody, but they are very keenly aware of all the activity going on. They're their security. And then there's a smaller group of men. Uh, they're in camo, and they have red berets. And all they have is a large sidearm, maybe a 45. But they're in charge. Everybody answers to them. And so uh, as all of this is going on, and we come into the place, and it was like a gauntlet. You know what a gauntlet is as you go down these rows of people, and they kind of beat you up as you try to make it through the other end. That's what it felt like at Conakry. And they were ripping our stuff apart and uh, asking for money, 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 you know. And we, we made an agreement uh, before we left that we would pay no bribes. So we took, I think, uh, a 1,000 what we call little Johns, the little booklets about this big, and it's the Gospel of John. And we had them in all our pockets, so anytime someone put out their hand, they got a gospel of John put in it, right? And it was awesome. It was just we're giving out gospels all over there, all over the place, you know, and guys are getting really upset with us and so we, we finally get our luggage, and you know they they took some of our some of our stuff, but not, nothing real valuable, and uh, get through to the other side, and we say, all right we're. We're gonna camp out over here. No, no, you have to leave the airport. You have to go to a hotel. I said, well, I don't wanna go to a hotel, yo. I mean, it's now after one o'clock in the morning and our flight out is at six. We can take a nap right over there. No one's there, no one will bother us. We won't bother anyone. No, you have to go to a hotel. They bring us out. Here's two cars. One of them's got one headlight working. The other has no headlights working. right, it's one o'clock in the morning. Get in these cars. And I said, well, take us to the airport hotel. I'm figuring there must be a hotel connected to the airport. We get in the cars. We exit the airport, and we're now 10 miles away, and we take a left turn into the bush. And I turn around to the two guys that are in the back seat of the cab I'm in. I shake their hands. I say, you know, it's been awesome serving the Lord with you for these years. I said, let's go out singing Let's go out praising. We begin to sing in tongues. We're worshiping the Lord. We're having a ball, Because right? we're figuring they're going to take us out into the bush, get us out of the car, shoot us in the head, and take all our stuff, and, you know, we're done. And I'm thinking, well, I hope Martha handles this well. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm heading home, you know, and settle that in my heart. So we come to the end of this road, and it opens up, and we're at a brothel, all right? So they're figuring... Well, five American guys, we know what they need. They don't, but we know what they need. and So they make us go into this brothel, and I said, well, give us all one room together. You know, And we get in the room, we put all our luggage against the door. <laughs> oh, God, what are you doing? You know, and every 15 minutes, there's a knock on the door. Do you need some service? And we'd open the crack of the door, and we'd put out a John, you know, and close the door. And we didn't want to be Johns, you know, so we'd give them a gospel of John, and So no sleep that night. We get back to the airport for the 6 o'clock flight, and each of us has a large duffel bag with 65 pounds of medicine in it for the uh, JFK Memorial Hospital in Monrovia, which had been uh, pretty much raped of any medical supplies by the rebels when they came through Monrovia. So we get to the baggage check-in, and We put up our luggage and that goes through and then we put up the bags and the guy starts doing this on his little thing there and he calories it up and pulls out the ship. He said, that'll be $1,000. I'm looking around and you ain't talking to me because I don't have that kind of money. I says, you got to let this go through. I mean, the major airport didn't charge us for two bags. He said, well, it's $1,000 if you want this to go. Then he starts speaking in French and won't speak English to me anymore. So I'm standing there, and I said, Father, what do I do? I look like this, and here's this little black guy, about this tall. And he says to me, I'm from Liberia. My city is Monrovia. I thought that was an odd way to say it. And this is what you must do take five $20 bills out of your pocket and hand it to that man, and he will accept your luggage. Okay, so I peel off five 20s, I put it out, the guy takes it, stamps everything, and goes through. And we turn to go into the departure zone, and I turn to say thank you to this man, and there's nobody there. I mean, he was nowhere in all... Five of us saw him, saw the conversation, heard his words, and not one of us seen him disappear, but he was not to be seen in that airport. We believe it was an angel who came and gave us a way through. We believe he was an angel who had authority in the city of Monrovia and knew that those medical supplies were needed for God's purpose. It was an awesome, awesome thing. Final story is something that was reported uh, in the New Year's edition of Parade magazine. Any of you familiar with that? It comes in the Boston Globe. It's an insert magazine, and every year they have the story of the year in different categories. They have science and literature and religion. And so, 1985, this was the story of the year in religion. Okay. Uh, The cosmonauts in the Salyut 7 orbited the Earth in 1985, and this is a secret that has been finally exposed to the free world. The six Soviet cosmonauts in 1985 said they saw celestial beings, that is angels, on the 155th day of their orbiting space station. This was reported first by, and then there's three Russian names, which I won't. Uh, what was that term you used? Emaciate, Emacerate. <laughs> Trying to pronounce, because I don't speak Russian. Uh, here is what was spoken by the cosmonauts. What we saw were seven giant figures in the form of humans, but with wings and a mist-like halo, as in a classic depiction of angels. Now, in, in the original article, which I read in 1985... It says that the angels were in proportion to their wings, and each single wing was as large as a 747 jumbo jet. So it wasn't like they looked out the window and saw four of us, or seven of us floating around. I mean, these guys were huge, right, huge, here, they specifically said angels. Now, we need to ask ourselves a question. Would they lie? Knowing they could be killed for telling us about the sighting of seven angels, because at that time, the Cold War was on, you know, communism was in uh, an iron clamp on, on all of their activities. The cosmonauts were performing experiments of the medical nature and knew nothing about what would happen next. For in Salyut 7, high above the earth, a brilliant orange cloud enveloped them and filling their hearts with fear, they were blinded temporarily by this brilliant orange cloud and when their eyes cleared, they saw seven angels. The heavenly seven angels followed them for about ten minutes and then they vanished as quickly as they had appeared. Twelve days transpired and when the cosmonauts, they named three more cosmonauts, joined the others on the space station. They, too, saw the seven angels. The cosmonauts said they were glowing. We were truly overwhelmed. There was a great orange light, and through it, we could see the figures of seven angels. They were smiling as though they shared a glorious secret. (laughs) I like that. Uh, But within a few minutes, they were gone, and we never saw them again. Now, were these seven angels spoken about in Scripture, in God's Word? We can find that in the Book of Revelation. It says in Revelation 1:20, "The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this: the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches." Not cool. So here's my conclusion. Regarding the demonic, keep this scripture in mind, James 4:7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Now the word resist there in the Greek is in a continual present tense. In other words, Resist the devil and keep on resisting until he flees from you. In other words, the, the devil isn't going to give up because you say, Oh, I resist you. You know, he's going to keep pounding on you. You keep resisting and keep submitting to God. And eventually the devil's going to back away. Okay? Yep. In Luke 10:17, it says, The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. You have been given authority over the demonic realm. They do not have power over your life, if you are submitted to God and resisting their assault. Nevertheless, Jesus says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't focus on the demonic, focus on Jesus. Keep your mind on things above, not on things beneath. Uh, You can get caught up in some really weird stuff when it comes to the demonic. I remember in the charismatic movement, the the byword was, there's a demon behind every bush. You know, the truth is, there's two. But so what? You know, they've been there a long time, and they have no authority over my life because I follow Jesus Christ and I'm staying centered on him. Regarding angels, there is a very unique scriptural directive in Hebrews 13.1. There are two things that were instructed. Let brotherly love continue. Now, think about this. Angels live in their normal state of existence in the constant presence of the love of God emanating out. That's their normal mode of existence. Just like we breathe oxygen, they breathe in the love of God continually. God is love. They are in his presence always, breathing in the love of God, okay? If you don't love, why would they want to come and hang out with you, right? They want an atmosphere that's comfortable to their normal state of being. So if you have brotherly love, continue in brotherly love, okay? Then he goes on to say, and do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. If you continue in love, if you are hospitable, if you are inviting to those around you, if you're demonstrating your love by your actions, you know, some people say, oh, I'm a Christian, I love everybody, you know. Well, how do you show that? Well, I go to church on Sunday, you know. Doesn't cut it. Open up your home. Be generous with what you have. Generous with your emotions. Generous with your goods. Generous with your time. Show that Christ meets people in their needs. And you never know who's going to show up at your door. Show hospitality to strangers. Maybe an angel will come knocking. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that you have provided for us, Lord, things that we can't see, we don't understand, that are so much bigger than us. Lord, you said that you created us a little lower than the angels, and yet you created the angels to serve us. How awesome is your love for us. Father, I pray that you'd open up our understanding to this unseen world that is all around us. Give us wisdom and discernment. Lord, in the things that we hear and take in as truth, in the things that we speak as truth, as truth to others, O God. Lord, keep us rooted in your word and keep your spirit alive in us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to be that inner voice in our lives that keeps us and instructs us in the things concerning Jesus that would not get distracted from heaven's agenda for your kingdom on earth by the things that are already on earth that are against us, O God. So I pray, O God, that you'd bless your people with wisdom and understanding in all spiritual discernment for the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom until the day that you come to set up your rule and reign, and every knee bows, and every tongue confesses that you are Lord. Bless your people, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen.